0: Welcome to the Neighboring Movement podcast. I'm your host, Adam Barlow Thompson, and we are here to learn about the power and importance of neighboring. Today, we have a guest with us who has uh, been in our neighborhood doing work for with alongside us really for a long time, and has recently stepped out to start her own thing. And so uh, I want to introduce Lisa Payne, who is the founder and executive director of Juniper Arts Academy, which is a nonprofit that provides fine arts education to youth in the juvenile justice and foster care communities of Kansas. She graduated from Friends University in 2016 with degrees in English literature and theater and went on to get her MA in Ministry Entrepreneurship and Innovation from Tabor College after studying ministry in England for three months. In her free time, Lisa is an avid crafter, a self-taught ukuleleist, which I'm not sure that's a word, but, uh, <laughs> and overall a number one fan of her nieces and nephews. So Lisa, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're excited. Um, You know, so Lisa, before she is now full-time at Juniper Arts Academy, which she just told me has been a total of four days, um, (laughs) was working at a nonprofit that is in our neighborhood here called Legacy. And so we've partnered on lots of projects and, uh, you know, I think, wouldn't it, how long did you work over there at Legacy?
1: Mm, I worked full-time there for three years. But I've worked summer staff there since 2015.
0: Yeah. Because I think when I first met you, you were still in college. Is that true? Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Because I worked summers at their camps (laughs) when I was in college.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now it's like, for me at least, I mean, maybe this is like the old man in me. But like, (laughs) it's just very cool to see like this (laughs) young person who who has been a part of our community for a long time and now is creating community and actually started your own nonprofit um, and done some really cool work. So I guess to start, I just wanna know who is Lisa Payne? And some people answer that with their professional work, but we like to push beyond that. So not just your job, who are you what do you do what makes mm-hmm. up your life
1: mhm um yeah i i am a sibling i usually started off like that i have mm. five brothers and one sister wow. so massive family um and that's a big part of who i am and like i think part of why i really thrive in large in group environments is because my entire childhood was a large group environment <laughs> um (laughs) and where do
0: you fall like in the age I'm kind
1: of in the middle to younger scope okay like I'm not like second to last I'm not second to oldest I'm just I don't have a number
0: do you feel like a middle child like I'm I'm a middle child but I only have two siblings
1: oh okay so you're like set see I don't have a title but I feel like a middle child
0: okay cool
1: yeah 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 um so because of that, I now have like 700 nieces and nephews
2: Oh my God, and yeah.
1: they're amazing. And the best, best part of my, my life right now, I feel like, um, so I, I take big pride in being the cool aunt, you know, <laughs> I'm the, I'm like, I'm not married. I'm, my work is flexible. My life is kind of flexible. So I get to be very available for them. So I am kind of stepping into that role of the cool ant that travels and can just be around them. Right. I'm very family oriented. Um, I talk to my family like every day. I'm very creative. Um, like, if I have free time, I'll try to be like making something. And mm-hmm. not necessarily, I feel like I have something to prove, but just because I have time and mm-hmm. I get to enter into that creative part of my brain that's not for work. And, um, So, like, I taught myself – well, actually, the kids at Legacy at one of the summer camps taught me how to crochet, like, the basics of it. And then I kind of taught myself the rest of it. Like, I taught myself how to play ukulele. Um, I really like the process of, like, deciding to learn something and just doing it.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I've played – I played piano and cello growing up. um, And, yeah, I'm just very – I feel – very in tune with my creative side
2: yeah
1: Um, and that doesn't mean that everything I make is good but I think that means that you're really tapping into that (laughs) if if you make bad art too sometimes
0: right right yeah yeah it's not because I'm trying to impress anybody I just have to create yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so it's like a it's a a practice that you feel like is like self-care in some ways it sounds mm-hmm. like almost yeah
1: yeah it, it really does feel that way I think um you know I also have been on a big journey of understanding my mental health mm-hmm. and um the arts have helped me like crocheting for instance you're just doing the same motion repetitively right so if you're feeling anxious but you have to count And that's Mm -hmm. something that like in therapy years ago, my therapist was like, okay, if you start feeling really anxious, count backwards, you know? And so for me personally, the art of crochet has helped my brain be able to focus in on like, okay, we're making a a stuffed octopus for my nephew's birthday, you know? (laughs) But yeah, so it's, it's me building a relationship with my nephew through that and also a self care act.
0: Speaking of things you've created, so tell us about the Juniper Arts Academy, like what's, what is that work? Why did you start that? What's going on there?
1: Mm -hmm. I'll start with the why, because it kind of leads into the what it is. Um, So I was in my grad program at Tabor, and I knew I wanted to, so at Tabor, with that program at least, instead of doing a thesis paper, you build a project, and you have to write a big paper to defend it but it's not the traditional write a big thesis, go to defend it kind of process. Mm -hmm. So you can really make the program kind of fit what you're passionate about. And I knew I wanted to do nonprofit and I knew I wanted to work with kids in foster care. And as I started to learn more about it, I also started building a passion for the kids in juvenile justice, learning that the line is kind of blurry sometimes. Mm. There's, a, there's a real slick pipeline between foster care, <sighs> prison, homelessness, everything like that. Yeah, which I could spend hours talking about that, but I'm not going to in this podcast.
0: <laughs> we'll do another um, episode. With that's that. another
1: episode. <laughs> um, but I, you know, as I started learning about the system, I started seeing that, and and I built this huge program in my mind. It was going to be this program to help kids transition out of foster care to help them not fall into that pipeline. And then I met with two of the leading agencies um, doing the foster care licensing and then um, juvenile field services. Mm -hmm. And I asked them what gaps there were. That's what my mentor in the program told me to do. And I was like, I had this, this, um, awesome idea in the back of my mind that was going to blow their minds. Like I just kind of entered it that way. Yeah. And turns out those programs exist in Wichita (laughs) (laughs) and I had just failed to like do my research, you know? Yeah. And one of the things they push in the program is to not replicate programs. Right. You know, we don't, we don't always need multiple organizations doing the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. If you have the same passions, the question should be, how do you work together?
2: Yeah. Not right. How do you
1: work separately? Um, for, for most things. I know there's some cases where it's important to have multiple different sure. resources. But um, so so in, in a course of two meetings, my, my brilliant plan kind of got pushed aside. And I just decided to be open and listen to what they said. And it was two separate meetings. So they were not in the same room at the same time. But both organizations identified that there was a gap in fine arts education for kids once they enter the system. And I've worked at would ch- worked at a children's theater for almost a decade. Um, I worked at Legacy, which is a very creative-based mm-hmm. organization. Um, I'm artistic, and I was like, okay, well, that's not going to be okay with me. Like, <laughs> I was sitting in the car, and I was like, I can't get that information and then just go on and keep. Yeah living my life because for me, like how identified the arts are more than just a a piano recital. You know, they're, (laughs) they're like a way that I've learned how to process things, a way that I've learned how to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and our kids in the system are so isolated anyway, right now that I saw a lot of potential for the arts to be the connecting piece Mm -hmm. that brings people together. So, um, I kind of just started playing with ideas in my mind, and developed a task force in 2020. So these meetings happened right before the shutdown. Right. And then I spent most of the shutdown kind of building what this organization would look like with some different leaders in the community and and stuff like that. And so, yeah, we've built a program where youth in foster care and the juvenile justice system, and that can encompass kids in private placements, group homes, um, on probation in sex trafficking rehabilitation centers, um, all there's there's a wide range that covers. Mm-hmm. Um, they qualify for our program, and we we do classes. So we have a choir right now, and we have mm. uh, ukulele classes, and we're looking to get guitar going pretty soon, um, and piano, and so. Um, the kids it's no it's free for them because we did a survey to see what the why weren't these kids getting education why weren't these kids getting fine arts and a lot of it had to do with financial um, restraints and um, transportation Mm
2: -hmm. and things like that
1: and secure facilities you know like they need their kids to be safe Um, so we we developed our program to break down those barriers um, so we have funders pay for our kids to be able to do these classes. So yeah, it's been really fun. We've been going for two sessions. Um, the first session was fall of 2021 and we just opened it up for one facility cause we wanted to soft launch it, make sure that we had our program down, make sure,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, everything was going okay. And then we opened it up to the public for winter and um, didn't know what the response would be. Didn't know. I mean, we were just kind of hoping that people would up, sign up and our enrollment tripled <laughs> in wow. between those. Um, and, and even this session, our ukulele enrollment doubled for this wow. next session that we're about to start tomorrow. And so we're seeing this great need that each session so far, we're seeing an increase in the kids who want to participate and um and we're seeing kids keep coming back that's a mm-hmm. big thing and it's really meaningful for several different reasons one we really value being a quality creative arts program that's part of our mission statement um we want to provide quality education mm. we want these kids to learn we want these kids to to gain from our program as though they were getting private lessons you know as though they were getting um the best kind of education that just isn't available to them because they're in these situations that by no fault of their own usually and also we want to be a safe space for them to connect with kids for them to connect with mentors for them to um really it's such a cliche uh saying but build community right and i have a whole theory on what that means but I'm, we're going to
0: get, we're going to get to that in a moment. Yeah,
1: but we've, we've implemented trust-based relationship intervention practices into our um,
0: and for, for people without a social work degree, tell yeah. them what that means. Well,
1: I don't have one either, so it's okay. We're all in <laughs> this together. Um, it's a, basically what it does is it flips the um, objective into a relationship objective mm-hmm. rather than a, we want this kid to finish this piano book by September. Right. right? Yeah. We work with kids where um, if they failed before, they may have experienced abuse and some, mm-hmm. right? Like if they've made a mistake or something. Mm-hmm. So we need to approach it from, if they mess up on their song, they might have a response Of fear or Mm -hmm. um, just a trauma response. Mm -hmm. So our TBRI practices, which stands for trust-based relationship intervention, um, we make sure that the kids trust us um, as individuals, as an organization, so that they can feel the safety to fail, so that they can feel the safety to communicate their boundaries, safety to communicate their needs. Um, Part of how we implement that is we In our choir right now, we have um, community singers and student advocates. They're the same role. It's just they're kind of double role. Mm -hmm. And they're community members who um, sing in the choir with the kids. And they're partnered up with like one to three students, depending on the ratio we have. And they sit with them. They're the first people they talk to when they come through the door and they help model appropriate classroom behavior. They help the student learn how to advocate for their needs. Um, they affirm the student. They sing. Singing is very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and so our community singers will sing. And then maybe the students will feel safe to try, right? Because their voices aren't going to be the most prominent right, right away. Um, Things like that, and we don't have—I mean, they're not professional singers, all of them that we have. So they're just community members who also want to come and learn. And um, so that that practice is a TBRI method because what it does is it flips so that our focus is on the relationship in order to get to the result, right? In order to get to the point where they can stand in front of a a crowd at showcase and sing because they have their buddy next to them, who's also being vulnerable and entering that space.
0: Let's get into the relationship piece then. So like, why is the relationship the key um outcome there like what
1: hmm.
0: what is your theory of relationship and how you're trying to form those
1: we work with a social worker pretty early on to help develop our approaches um and she said i don't know if it's like a catchphrase in the social work world or if it was her original um phrase but she said they won't care how much you know unless they know how much you care mm-hmm and that has become the foundation of our approach to our programming. Um, we believe that in order to step into the fine arts world, um, it's, it's, a, it's a vulnerable, scary step. I mean, I was talking about how I make that art still, you know, and that sure. I don't want to show everyone it, but what if I was in an art class and I, I can't paint for the life of me? And what if someone saw my bad painting. Right. Um, we need to build a community where we know that the people around us might be able to be honest and say like yeah, it's kind of funny, but not not be mean about it, right? Like <laughs> well I, well it was look at how you improved in this way. Uh-huh. Um, and so <clears throat>
0: I mean, every time I've ever tried to draw a person, I I I, I really want to be able to draw people. And every time well, I draw hey. I try to draw people and they always look terrifying.
1: Yeah. Like they're Mm -hmm. the scariest
0: creatures that have ever existed.
1: Yeah. But if you, okay, but if you drew that and then you showed me and I was like, no, it looks great, you'd be like, you're lying to me.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bullshit, lady. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But if I was like, oh, wow. Yep. That's kind of funny. But then we (laughs) laughed about it. Right. We would Uh have to have that relationship in order to do that. So,
0: And these um, kids are already in a place where, like, they're bullshit. Per- like, they know how to tell when it's bullshit and when it's. Oh, not.
1: oh my gosh! They can read it so quickly. Yeah. Like they can tell if we're just if we're just feeding random compliments to them, right? And and actually, we started a a, a really cool practice at the end of every session that we do with our choir. Um where we do shout outs and we have the kids do shout outs for each other. And so, and, and the, the community singers will join in. And so they practice the art of seeing people, right? They'll be like, I noticed that this person did this. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was really cool. I saw this person try this. And that way that kid may have felt like they did a bad job or they didn't really sing very much or something, but they felt seen And they felt seen by their peers Mm. and that hopefully next time they come, they'll feel a little bit more safe to try a few more things. Um, And these kids are where they're at right now. They don't have get the opportunity to build a lot of meaningful relationships. They're trans. They're very transient. They're getting moved around. Um, they've Mm -hmm. been removed from their home, which even if that is the the right thing, their home is not the safe place for them to be, is a traumatic experience for them to be removed from their home, from their parents.
2: Yeah.
1: And so we're meeting these kids at a point in their lives where they are, um, in need, critical need of positive, consistent relationships. And we can't heal all those pieces of their lives. But what we can do is we can be a positive social event for them to come feel safe, feel like they belong, be seen and create
2: Mm -hmm.
1: with purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're not just creating to create, they're creating with purpose. And I really, I love that part of it. I love about nonprofits is that it's so nonprofit has to be community based otherwise it's not gonna work like it right. it can't it can't just be on me right our our board has to be invested mm. our stakeholders have to be invested our um, kids have to be invested mm-hmm. those kids' guardians have to be invested so it takes all of those different people to keep making it work right so it's I feel, what I feel that responsibility is, is to make sure that each of those individual units feel really important.
0: Yeah. It's a different style of leadership. I mean, it I, is. my, when I, when we started the neighboring movement, one of the books I read is a leadership book, nonprofit leadership by Joan Gary, who's like a mm-hmm. nonprofit guru type mm-hmm. person or whatever. And she was like, you have to be a Kermit type leader. And like from the Muppets, you know, Yeah. and What's I'm that like, mean, though? well, first of all, I can get behind that. Cause like Kermit <laughs> is this like awkward banjo playing, um, <laughs> you know, like not super you're great like, at anything <laughs> kind of person or frog, I guess. Um, I, I like, I can, I, okay, I can, okay. Cause I, you're with me. I have, I'm with you so far, but basically she was saying like, you can't be like a CEO can be like. Bigger than life, it's all about me. But mm-hmm. what exactly what you were talking about? Nonprofit leadership is actually about the connections between you and the board, you and the people who you're working yeah. with, you and the the donors, you. And so it's like really just like holding all of the connections. That's what Kermit yeah. does within the Muppets. It's how we, as leaders in nonprofits, are going to be most successful as well. Um, And I just am, you know, always excited to see people who are willing to follow their dreams in this way Mm -hmm. that you have. And now, I mean, it it is scary because now it's like all of that pressure that comes with that being in the organization as the leader. But um, it's also wonderful to see you just stepping into that role. So I'm really excited about that. So we wanted to give a chance for you to promote some stuff. So what's going on in your world? How can people support you and Juniper Arts Academy? Um, and what would you want people to know about?
1: Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I'm going to say is is kind of a, a perspective shift that I think is important to then have people be involved. Mm-hmm. Is These kids are the best kids I've ever met who have been through some of the worst things I've ever heard of.
2: Mm.
1: And it can feel really it can feel intimidating, right? You hear kids in, in the juvenile justice system and you can imagine, I mean, that can feel intimidating to some people. They're some of the most amazing kids yeah. ever. And they, they they need you. They need connection. They need people to see them. Mm. And um they're ready. They're so ready to be loved and to be in, in connection with people. So we have volunteer positions. If you want to learn how to play an instrument, you can actually take a class with the kid <laughs> as part of our program. You can learn how to play piano with the I, kid.
0: I love that so much. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and so you, don't,
0: you don't have to be an expert.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Because it's um, not about,
0: it's not about being a great musician it's actually probably better if
1: you're not right then that kid will feel like yeah okay and safe to be where they're at because they're learning too Mm -hmm. um and and funding i mean that's that's something i'm not afraid to say that we need because our kids need it Mm -hmm. um to access this kind of of programming we need to we're going to start paying teachers and we're going to start um you know keep purchasing more instruments and we have the ongoing instrument upkeep that happens Mm -hmm. and so we have a breakdown of cost per student um and currently is 170 dollars. yeah um and that's really per student spot right we might have a kid take choir and an instrument lesson gotcha that's really per student spot
0: yeah. So a hundred, $170 and that opens another spot in your program.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on people. Yeah. It's, that's, it's not,
0: it, doable. It's,
1: it's so doable and it, it will change a kid's life. It yeah. will. And so, yeah, we can, you can go to our website at juniperartsacademy.org. Um, and then we have a spot on there with our address that you could mail a check to also.
0: Awesome. Well, Lisa Thank you for sharing on this podcast. and more importantly, thank you for doing good things in the world and helping this um, this place be a little bit happier, a little bit better. And we just are really grateful for you. So thank you for your work.
1: Thank you. you too, back at you.
0: <laughs> well, That's uh, the end of this episode, folks. So uh, again, thank you to Lisa Payne and Juniper Arts Academy. Thank you to Christopher Swanson, who always does our editing for these episodes. You can always check out more of our work at neighboringmovement.org. And until next time, happy neighboring.